Episode 47, Dropping Our Shields. Welcome to the story in your head. I'm Ron Macklin, and today Deb, Melissa, and I discuss dropping our shields and becoming vulnerable. We examine what modern shields look like and the radical changes that can happen if you choose to drop your shield. Are you looking to strengthen your relationships, whether personally or professionally? You want to learn how to build authentic connections faster, or perhaps you're looking to beat employee burnout through the power of connection. My name is Ron Macklin, founder of Macklin Connection, and in our workshops, we teach you the fundamentals of how to do exactly that and more. To learn more of the power of your relationships, visit us at MacklinConnection.com. Welcome to the story in your head. Today, myself, Deb, and Melissa are going to work on an interesting topic called dropping your shield. So, Ron, tell us a little bit more about dropping our shield. What does that mean to you? Thanks. First, I start with like, what is a shield? Right. So, this uh, I go like to like a military type approach to like remember the movie The Spartans. Right. So you have your shield, and your shield protects you, but but it's also a weapon. Like you can attack somebody and kill them with a shield. And it's a, an important part of a military before firearms and all this other stuff came around. But it's an important tool. And yet we don't really have shields. Like nobody carries around this, you know, 30-pound or 20-pound shield to protect themselves. So why do I say it's a shield? Well, we have stories, and they protect us. And we make them all. We make all those stories up. And so when I say what is a shield, it's a story that protects us. And some of them are really useful, look right or left, depending on what country you're in, look right or left before you cross the street, right? And that's a, that's a good shield because it protects us, right? But then there's a shield we have that we create when we're pretty young that says, yeah, don't let anybody know what's really inside my head. Because they'll d- jump on it like a duck on a June bug and they'll attack me and I will not let anybody know what I'm really thinking. And so we have this story that says, do not talk about anything that's in my head. Talk about only those things that are safe and out in the world. And then we start doing that somewhere around the age of four. And by the age of seven or eight or 10, we're pretty darn good at it. By the time we get out of high school, we are masters, right? And the, the metaphor that I have is if you can kind of imagine high school occurred to me like this. Is everybody walking around with a shield just beating a tar out of each other with their shields? Never being vulnerable, never letting anybody else in, but attacking them with that spiff. And I'm, I was one of them. I got exceptionally good with sarcastic cutdowns was the term we used, right? And they were all fun, and you could laugh at them, and they had a knife edge that would just leave people bleeding, metaphorically, but bleeding. And nobody would ever talk about what they were really thinking about. And they keep continuing to do that. Now I'm 58 and been doing it for quite a long time. And when I say I'm going to drop my shield – what I'm actually doing is I'm, I'm noticing that I have a story that's inside my head that keeps me safe, according to my story. Because my scared self does not ever want anybody to ever know that I'm scared, ever. And anytime I start to get vulnerable, my scared self's going, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, shut up, don't do that. Because being vulnerable is, we have a story that being vulnerable is bad. It's weak, it's a flaw. So we don't do it. So 
when I use stories in my head as a shield, it protects my scared self. It protects my myself from being vulnerable, right? And that's like the, the, the mechanics of dropping your shield. Now, the question I have for, for my own self is like, who made up the rule that, that being vulnerable was bad? Well, for me, I made it up, right? I made up that story. Because that was uh, versus being vulnerable and being open and dealing with whatever I wanted to, the situation was and being open and caring. It was just a whole lot easier just to be, I put my shield up, walk away, or make fun of, or make a joke, or a snide remark, or something else to protect yourself so you don't get heard, don't get noticed, and you don't get shunned or kicked out. That piece right there, get hurt, because when I was thinking about why, why would we do that, like what's the point, I was going back in my memory and thinking of when I've created a shield. And for me personally, it's been in a, it's been a direct response to being vulnerable and getting hurt. And then the way that that shield is formed is to prevent me from getting hurt in the same way again by being vulnerable in a similar situation. So I think that it's interesting, right? Because so much of that has to do with the people we're surrounding ourselves with and how we might feel it necessary to build a shield to keep from being vulnerable when in reality we are surrounding ourselves with individuals who we just are incapable of being vulnerable with because they are also not being vulnerable. What would you say, Ron? Would you say that that? Oh, well, it, like it starts when we're pretty young and there, there's things that happen in our lives where we go like, oh, something's wrong or oh, I'm alone. Or I'm on my own or there's something wrong with me. And then we come up with some answer for those questions. And there's like infinite number of questions we have. And then we come up with infinite number of answers, sometimes many, many, many times a day. And then we use those as the stories of what we call our reality. Like they're real, but they're only real to us, right? It's our stories in our head that we made up. And then as we walk through life, every time we find ourselves being vulnerable, we build a shield to do that. In fact, we even build a skill of building shields so that we see ourselves vulnerable. We can build a shield in a hurry and protect and get ourselves out of it. And what really happens is all those shields, you know, they protect us from ever connecting with somebody, right? And as an example, some of the people who go through our programs when they start to become vulnerable in their world and all that, the joke was there really is crying in what we do. Like you know, we said, we used to call this join up, right? Shout out to Monty. We don't anymore. It's Macklin Method. And the statement was, there really is crying and join up, right? Because people would come, get back on a call and go, I connected with my mom. I connected with my son, right? And they're crying because they're going like, I didn't know that I could do that. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with those people in their lives that are most important. Now, our intention of, the, of our program is to help people build business relationships. Now, the business is kind of camouflaged because it puts it out to where you, you know where to focus, right? But once you've learned the skill, people use it with just people which normally are the ones that matter the most are their family, their parents, their, their children, their spouses, and they build a relationships with them that they didn't even think was possible. Like they didn't, they didn't even know what was missing because they'd built so many shields they couldn't hear it. They couldn't see it. They couldn't feel it. And we try to put on your shields and connect with somebody, and that's what happens. Are vulnerable, you can actually connect. And it's part of our process that you'll be learning as you go through this is we have a story called Tossing Lines. It's an action to toss a line. It's there, there's like to ask a question, right? But not not like jelly beaning where you try to get somebody to something, right? It's you ask a question to be curious, 
and maybe a series of questions, like ask a series of questions to be curious, right? And then you find that they're discovering something and you're discovering something about you, you're discovering something about them, they're discovering something about you, they're discovering something about them, right? And then it, you can, sometimes you kind of bump up against their shields, right? Just it's like a boom, right? And you go like, ooh, they got some good shields, right? Well done, right? You're a good human, you built great shields. And then what do you do? Well, the, the line to fall back to is, Find a similar situation and tell a vulnerable story about yourself. And when you share a vulnerable story about yourself, I mean, I don't mean like one that, you know, that kind of is vulnerable, but then you look really good in the end, <laughs> right? Not that story. That's not that's not where you get to the end and you go, and there I was, like, I fucked it all up. And uh, I'm, I had to recover and I had to make right and all that stuff, right? And being vulnerable. So what, what happens in the mechanics of that is the person who is listening to your story, because we don't listen to each other, we listen to our own stories, right? We you guys aren't you guys who are listening to the podcast are not listening to me. You're listening to yourself. In case you're curious about that, <laughs> go, go look up one of the podcast episodes. Right. And on this call, the three of us are not listening to each other. We're listening to our own stories in our own head. And when you share a vulnerable story, the the thinking is that, well, the other person's gonna know where I'm vulnerable then. And they're gonna they're gonna attack, right? And, and that's not what happens. The other person looks over and goes, Ah, crap, that's me. I do that. Because in a, in a moment of somebody being vulnerable with, with you, you can now be vulnerable with them. And it's not a matter of dropping your shield. Dropping sounds so quick and easy, right? I'll just let go of it, right? No, it's like slowly setting it down while you're not paying attention to it. And then they can be open and vulnerable. And then they can notice things about themselves they couldn't see before. And when you're sharing a vulnerable story, you will notice things about yourself that you didn't notice before. So it's not about, well, I'll share a vulnerable story and they'll get something. No, it's about I'll share a vulnerable story and notice something about myself and they'll notice something about themselves and then we'll, we'll be in this journey of being vulnerable at the same time and that's where you can connect. Because if you, if you can imagine two humans on a, on a battlefield, right, with their shields up and, you know, maybe a spear too because, you know, we, we could block and then we can also throw a rock at somebody, right? And then imagine there's just two people standing on the, on the battlefield and they don't have anything in their hands. And that's the same when you have no stories in your head, then you can connect with somebody. Yeah, how I was listening to the story in my head as you were speaking, I could see, you know, two gladiators coming up in the field, right? And they both, they both had their shields up. And I thought about, I used to wait for the other person to put their shield down. Right, like that. Oh, as soon as they do it, yeah. right? <laughs> not not a lot of trust. Like, okay, I'm gonna hold mine up until that other person, sh you know, maybe lowers their little, theirs a little bit. And then I started thinking about how, when you lower your shield first, how you have to trust yourself, like trust yourself to be in that situation with that person, and trust that. Even if that vulnerable story, maybe they're not ready to be open. And that's great. That's fine. But to trust yourself enough and not not to question, I'm not enough or I'm weak or it's like, no, I'm, I'm trying to connect with people. And that I think is that trust of either, you know, you can, you can wait for others to drop their shield first, <laughs> or you can go into it saying, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to trust the the process, I'm going to trust myself here. And if it doesn't work, great. If it does work, great. <laughs> but not be so worried about that. To be on the receiving end of that too, because I'm still with the two gladiators there with their shield. And right. And then so the trust in yourself to drop the shield, 
and or set it down, rather slowly set it down. And then to be on the receiving end of that, to see that happen, it makes sense why that would also elicit vulnerability from the other individual if they're ready for it. Because at that point, there's no need to be afraid anymore. You have the upper hand, right? You still have this shield. This other individual knows that you have this shield, and yet they're still setting theirs down. So they're no longer a threat. And I can see how that would really open a doorway for being a different kind of person because you no longer need to protect yourself. You can just be you and kind of meet them where they're at. There's a movie called Jojo Noel. And it, it's kind of a, it's a drama, but it's also a documentary. Like it really happened. What happened in this situation really happened. And it's about the trench warfare during World War I when Christmas Eve and somebody stood up and sang Silent Night. And all the soldiers come out of their trenches one by one and met each other. Like they hated each other. They were enemies, right? No, they were just soldiers doing their job. And they came out of their trenches and they came together and they shook hands. They shared food. They had this amazing experience and connected. And they went back into the trenches. The sun came up. They couldn't fight. Mm. They had to move all of those soldiers to different places. Both sides had to move soldiers to different places because they connected to each other. Somebody dropped their shield first. The second person dropped their shield. Before long, thousands of men came out of the trenches and dropped their shields and became vulnerable because they were all in the dead man zone. And then once they had connected, they couldn't fight anymore. And it's the same for all those hundreds of men, and this is a true story. The same is true for every human. When you can be vulnerable, it enables the other person to do the same. And then two people who realize they're on the journey together can connect. Yeah, I keep thinking about people on opposite sides of whatever it is, a topic, a like how we have so many shields that we build up. It's a political party or it's a whatever it is, it's an ideology, it's it's all of these shields. And what would the world be like if we could all drop those and just have a conversation about it? Like a, a rational conversation. I'm not saying we might change our mind, but we might, or we might be more open to new ideas. But how it looks is, you know, we've just got a lot of gladiators <laughs> running around bumping into each other with their shields. And I don't, it doesn't seem very peaceful or joyful to me. You can actually feel pretty lonely. What is interesting is there was these social psychologists that I studied for a while, Aaron and Aaron, they develop self-expansion theory. They work for Stony Brook University, Arthur Aaron, and, and his wife, Elaine Aaron. They developed this theory, self-expansion theory. And the idea is, is that when there's yourself and other, um, you know, like a Venn diagram of the two overlapping circles, there's yourself and there's another person. And then when you're with another person for long enough, eventually there's a self-other overlap, Right. And then there's a shared self, essentially. You expand who you are because now part of who you are is also integrated with this other person. It's also part of why it's so painful to lose, let's say, a, a baby, because that self-other overlap is almost completely overlapped with the mother and father. But what I've found, too, is with theories like that, you're also looking at where, where that happens, like where that self-other overlap happens. And then you get things like the, I think it's 52 questions to fall in love. Have you ever heard of that? I think that that was from their theory. I could be wrong, so don't quote me on that. But either way, it's part of the same body of knowledge. 
that when you, it literally is vulnerability, that's what happens. So, and, and specifically new and novel experiences that create that platform of vulnerability actually allows you to have that self other overlap. So it's almost as if setting down that shield becomes a natural byproduct of being vulnerable when you're having a new and novel experience with someone because you're meeting each other at the same ground. And that reminded me so much of what you were talking about, Ron, with what happened on that battlefield. Because if you're facing death and if you're in a dead man zone, that is a new and novel experience. And if you are already pretty sure you're going to die anyways, you don't really have much to lose in being vulnerable. And then the amount of self-expansion that created with everybody, it's like, well, I'm not going to kill another me. We're all just having the same experience together. So it it's really interesting how everything is connected because that shield is really in place when there is no overlap. And then it starts to naturally get set down when we see ourselves in other people. To connect it back to the hero's journey, our shields are when we hide our Buddha, we hide our, our, our peace and our energy. We do it by protect ourselves from somebody else getting to know us. And when we can peel all that away and put our shields down, we can build connections. Lasting, long-term, rich connections. So, Ron, for someone who may be listening, who has built up a story, like some really good shields over the years, like I can't show who I really am or it's weak. Like, how do you, how do you go about changing that story so that you can be vulnerable with others? So, so the question, make sure I understand it right. The question is, how does somebody start to become vulnerable so that they can connect? Or how do I have a conversation with somebody so that they could do that? Because I can't change anybody ever. Yeah. But how do, how, how can other people, like what was, you, you talked about it's perceived to be weak, right? It's perceived in our culture to be weak. So what made you first notice that that was not a weakness, it was a strength? And then how can our listeners practice <laughs> trying something? So for, first place to start, and this could be the scariest part, is that all the things that you know are just stories in your head. That's why we named this podcast The Story in Your Head, right? They're not real. Even though we feel like they're real, they're just our stories. And that's scary because you go like, well, I used to know how to drive, but now I'm not sure I know how to drive, right? Got it. Yeah, I've, I've been in that space, driving on the highway going like, how do all these people coordinate? Because everybody's got a different story in their head about what it is they're doing and how this is happening, right? How do we go to the moon? How do we get to the moon? We're going to go again, right? How do we get to the moon with all these people doing that? And it can look like we actually have the same story, which everybody's got their own story. And it's really scary. And then the next part is to being vulnerable. It's a story of courage. And that is seven seconds of courage. You only have to be courage for se- courageous for seven seconds, right? Do this for seven seconds. And that's a space where the only way to really learn what it is is to go try it. And that takes courage. And many times it's that quarter inch of courage, you know, where you're, you're a quarter inch away from the call button on the phone. And you're sitting there going like, no, 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 yes, right? And that, that, that takes an enormous amount of, and then when it's dialing, you know, you, you got to take seven seconds because otherwise you could, you could hang up and say, oh, sorry, butt dial, right? But the seven seconds to be courageous until you get on the phone and, and start to talk. And 
it's amazing what can happen in one phone call. Being courageous, dropping your shield, being vulnerable, or talking to somebody, or being on a Zoom call with somebody. Right? And if you're going to be good at something, you got to start with sucking at something. And the first time that you're going to be vulnerable, you may not be vulnerable at all. You may think you're being vulnerable, and you look back later and go, okay, I was really protected. All that. <laughs> I went vulnerable because I set down the big shield but kept all the little tiny ones, right? And it takes some practice to be open and vulnerable and to share your story. Right? And then there's a moment when all of a sudden you realize you don't have the burden. You're not as heavy. Yeah. Life is lighter. And the people you're connecting with are connecting with you easily. But it takes that first try, the first base, the first courageous move to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run this experiment. I actually have an exercise for practicing bravery if anyone's interested. And I probably won't do it myself. So being completely honest there. Whew. I have a pool, or I had a pool, I've since moved, but I had a pool at my old apartment complex that was never heated. And my partner is a huge fan of cold showers and jumping in. I mean, th this man will go, went into Tahoe, like he, he loves cold That's water. Cold. So I have tried to implement this practice and my nervous system every time. Oof. So I've done it a couple times, but point being the bravery that it takes to jump into that cold water oof, or like turn on the shower when it's just all the way to cold. It's so interesting because the actual experience of being in the cold, I mean, it sucks, but it's the, the until you turn it on or until you jump in, that's really where it is. It's, it, it has nothing to do with after the fact. It's like, uh, and the way that the body just resists that is pretty bananas. Yep. I, I hold that jumping into cold water is much easier than going in slowly. Yeah. <laughs> Where you go like, and then the rest of your body's going like, stop, 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 stop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I got it. And that's a great place to practice it. And there's also a place to practice like there's some story you have about somebody or somebody you've done something that you're not proud of and, and to go over and clean it up. Mm. And it's not for the other person. It's for you. And when you clean up from not doing something right, not showing up on time, bad mouthing, spreading gossip, whatever the story is you got going on your mind, to go clean that up, be vulnerable about what it is. It takes seven seconds of courage. When you get done, you got the gift because you're now not carrying that shield around anymore. You know, I'm just in in listening to you. I'm thinking about the irony because there's a lot of messages out there about put on your armor, right? <laughs> you know, be a warrior and put on your armor. And this is not that. <laughs> what what is what is modern armor? It's it's the stories we have about you know, I, can, I can say as a as a female right who worked my career for in a male dominated field it's like don't be yourself be be more like them be more like other people yeah don't be authentic and don't don't share anything that might be perceived as personal right just go through the motions for me, that was that was great armor until I just got so sick of <laughs> sick of feeling bad about myself because I couldn't really bring my whole self to the world. But it's yeah, like being someone you're not. What's modern armor for you, Melissa? I mean, I think Deb pretty much hit the nail on the head there. Being someone you're not, I would say, like those two things: the story in your head. But I would say specifically making up a story in your head 
about a type of person that you're comfortable being and then convincing yourself that you are that person so that you can feel comfortable in your skin. Even though ironically, I don't know if irony is the right word for that, but even though ultimately that's the very reason you will inevitably be uncomfortable in your skin. <laughs> Usually that's that's being someone else's story of who you should be, right? So that you can feel love and approval from others, is what I would say. How about you, Ron? What does modern armor look like for you? Business suit, hairstyle, shoes, Facebook page, LinkedIn page. House you live in, location you live in, city you live in, all those are stories. They're not, I mean, we, we talked about artifacts there, but they're actually stories that generate to get you into that space, right? Those are all our modern armor. So we show up and look the right way so that we fit in and can be there, right? And then, you know, and you see the, and the armor changes, right? Because the armor used to be a certain way, and then when the, the next generation of wealth came in and uh, Zuckerberg and all these other guys, right? they didn't even uh, jobs, right? Jobs didn't wear a suit, no buttons, right? Turtleneck. A and all of a sudden it started to change. So everybody had new armor to go get, right? So they fit in or be a part of that. And what it really is, is those guys were being self-expressed, but they're just being who they are. Right. And that's the, the power of being in that space. It means to be who you are. It's the stories that we have that matter. And we get to create them. And we make them all up, which is really cool because we can change them. Sometimes we get attached to them. I really like that story. It's a good shield. I'm going to keep that one. And it's a space to just uh, drop your shields. And the first place is to always notice it's just a story in my head. And nobody put it there. It's impossible. I ran the experiment, tried to put a story in somebody's head, couldn't do it. We all put our own there. So I'm the person who's being interviewed here, right? So <laughs> what questions do I have for you? Hey, Melissa, what showed up for you today in this conversation around shields and stories? I noticed that as we talk about being vulnerable and as we share stories where individuals are vulnerable, we ourselves become so vulnerable that we actually feel very real feelings and emotions that would prevent us from wearing armor in the first place because it's such a soft spot to be in. So seeing it in practice is really cool. Deb, what showed up for you? Yeah, the thought of dropping your armor as a as courage. To be courageous to do that. And the interesting part of it is is once you do Okay, the first time you just lower it a little bit, and then it's a little bit more, and then a little bit more. But when you do, when you're able to put it away, it's joy. The joy to be able to be yourself and to really authentically connect with people as they are. And that's, it's amazing. I mean, I think about, like, I think about the great resignation today, and we have all these it's a generalization suits, right? Going to the office, all these suits, you know, all these people in their armor going to the office and it's no wonder things are a little boring. <laughs> things are a little mundane because people aren't, in some cases, aren't able to bring their true selves and meet other people who are being their true selves. Yeah. I'm excited to see what's happening. going to happen next 300,000 teachers short or something phenomenal amount of teachers short you can go eat when the restaurant has people to work at it otherwise you can't go eat mm -hmm. there's no people to work at it and yet we're at full employment 
under 4%, which means like there's no other people to go work at those jobs sitting around waiting to show up, right? So there's no 300,000 teachers waiting around to show up. No, there's no people. They're all working. Yep, it's going to be a different world. <laughs> it's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. So with that, I say thank you to both of you for joining me on the Story in Your Head podcast today. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Melissa. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. At Macklin Connection, we believe making authentic connections with others can literally change your world. We invite you to share this podcast with one person that you care about. Maybe it's someone you haven't spoken with in a really long time and you'd love to reconnect. Or maybe it's the first person that popped into your head when you listened to this podcast because you thought it would be perfect for them. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.